Council in 20. Casual weekly conversations with Ottawa City Councillors. Three questions, three councillors, 20 minutes. I'm your host, David Schellenberg. Today, three councillors from around Ottawa. Councillor Tim Tierney from Beacon Hill, Cyrilville. Good afternoon, David. Uh, Councillor Matt Luloff. Hey, buddy. What riding are you from? Ward? Orleans. Orleans. Ward one. That's the one. And Jeff Leiper from Kitchissippi. Hi, Jeff. Good to see you, Dave. Uh, Laura Dudas from Innes was going to be with us. She couldn't make it. We'll think she's stuck in traffic somewhere, but... That will all change now because one of our topics today, LRT, Paris Service, and the upcoming budget. Uh, Tim, let's start with you. Talk about uh, the LRT. I, I think it's, it's been quite a week for the city of Ottawa. Billions of dollars, years of work. Has it been worth it all? Well, you know what? Uh, uh, Councillor Leeper and I, actually, Jeff and I, we had the pleasure of riding a 10 a.m. service for the inaugural ride. We're competing on which has the best station in the entire city, whether it's out in the Kitchissippi area, at Tunney's Pasture, or it's going to be Blair Station. I don't know. I sat right behind you. Oh, yeah, I, know. I was on that, too. Yeah, you're yeah, kicking I was the seat. We were, we were all there. Yeah, that's true, too. <laughs> but, hey, we, let's face it. The, the excitement was there. We saw it firsthand. And then when it opened to the public at 2 o'clock, it was very clear People are learning what this is all about. It's a fast-moving system. The doors open and close. There's no futzing around with passes. It's a real game-changer for Ottawa. And from our perspective in the east end of the city, right, Matt? We're very Mm -hmm. excited for that 174, 417 ramp to open in three weeks' time, changing our traffic patterns in the city. Yeah, the doors really closed. My backpack got stuck in the doors. And a big alarm goes off when that happens. Everybody looks at you weirdly. And that's the part of learning. (laughs) (laughs) It's the public shaming aspect. Uh, Matt, how are you feeling? I feel great about it. I mean, uh, like uh, like Tim was saying, I think it's uh, it's pretty important that uh, uh, we get that off ramp and that on ramp open. Um, on top of that, uh, I'm really pleased that we're not going to have to sit in the Mackenzie King black hole for 25 minutes every single night. The worst part about public transit uh, from downtown to the east end or to the west end, for that matter, depending on where you're coming from down here, is getting stuck on the Mackenzie King Bridge. Right. You know, uh, I was speaking uh, with uh, an OC Transport bus driver that told me that. He could get from Ottawa U to Orleans and have half a local route done before some people make it from Le Breton to Mackenzie yeah. King. That is That's completely, uh, you know, completely awful. And uh, I'm really looking forward uh, to uh, having that uh, black hole, um, you know, taken apart. It's John wonderful. For all and Jeff, how are you feeling? Uh, fantastic! What a weekend! You know what is dawning on people is that the bus, and this this may seem obvious, but the bus is the train is not a bus. That's right. Yeah. And that is a fundamental change in our transit system. People are happy to get onto a train in a covered station, roll on, roll off, comfortable seating, not being jostled around, not hitting potholes and bumps, and it makes the entire transit experience uh, that much more pleasant. I think we're going to see a good boost in ridership. Jeff, weren't you really surprised about how fast it was? It is, uh, I can't remember, eight minutes from Tunney's Pasture Station through to Parliament Station. Unbelievable. Um, you know, this morning I had a, a really early morning media interview. I, I biked for about a minute and a half to Tunney's Pasture, locked my bike up onto the train. Nine minutes later, I'm walking out of Parliament. It's It brings the whole downtown closer to everybody in my ward. Why are you guys surprised by this? Shouldn't you have known? We've been telling people for a long time. And uh, I, what I'm really pleased at is that we were right. 
<laughs> we, 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 we were right. This is day one of the business week, by the way. I'm gonna we'll sit back and watch it progress. This but afternoon you know is going to be a big test. This afternoon will be the test, and I think that's the big game changer, right? Think about it. If there's a protest or a parade, it's game over downtown. Our whole traffic patterns are messed up. Now with light rail, we avoid all that. And you know what? I'm excited about. We see it in the East End, especially mm. is stage two light rail. The backbone is built. We got yep. the mechanisms in place, but stage two is the game changer. And if you live in the East End of the city, it's going to to continue from Blair in the middle of the highway all the way to Trim Road. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have all these brand new stations. And I, I know John Mancone doesn't like the term spoken hub, but let's face it, that's what it will be. Your bus service will be local to your area. It won't be having a deadhead across the city doing a shift in Canada. Oh, it doesn't get back to Beacon Hill in time to do that bus route. They'll stay local. They'll be spoken hub. It's a game changer for our city. And that's what changes with phase one as well. So our local buses in the East End will remain local. That deadhead heading that Tim is talking about uh, stops on October 6th. So as soon as we kick off the the service changes for October 6th, You'll have the same bus driver at the same time for the most part in the morning. Uh, same thing in the evening. Most of our buses, uh, except for our local routes, will go to Blair. Right. So no matter where you are in the ward, you'll be able to get on the bus. It'll be more reliable, and it'll take you right to Blair. It's wonderful. Both of you are already seeing that people, not just, they want to live closer than a local bus Absolutely. to the station. Oh. So at Blair, you've got a, a good development going in. You're seeing the same thing, Matt, in uh, Orleans. I was thinking last night, if you live in that apartment building that's uh, been built at Blair. The brand new 22-story, five more going in, absolutely. In five years, you can walk down to your lobby, put a swimsuit on, hopefully a t-shirt, and in 25 (laughs) minutes or so, walk out of the station at Dominion and be on Westboro Beach. And so that's why... With 200 meters of walking in total. That's amazing, eh? Yeah. Yeah, when when I first first got elected, I sat down with Steve Willis, and he was telling me that we were going to be doing a secondary plan for um, around uh, Plaster Orleans. So we pushed at council to have that amended to doing 800 meters around every single one of the LRT stations because that kind of growth around the LRT is what's going to make it viable in the long term. Yeah, now what happens next? So when will phase two start to move, phase three start to move? Well, if you're actually in the East End, you're seeing it now. It's underway. Right. Uh, they're going fast and furious. Next three, three and a half years, you're going to see uh, bridges expanded to accommodate for the rail in the center of the highway. You're going to see, uh, uh, obviously, the uh, the new corridors going into place. The whole office is already staged. They've actually built the one in my end. And uh, I'll let uh, maybe Jeff speak to what's happening in the West End because they're different uh, for every part of the city. Yeah, and I think we're a bit confused about the West End. Like, how, how yeah. far is it going to go? Well, I mean, it will go all the way uh, to uh, Bayshore, uh, Moody. It's a, it's a long extension, but we're going to wait a couple of years before we see, particularly in my ward, a lot of the work take place. So the work is going to get done in the east. The work is going to get done in the south. Uh, and then uh, right now, they're just getting ready for the detour of the buses, which is going to take some construction to get them onto a different part of Scott Street. Mm-hmm. Uh, within a couple of years, the buses will start detouring around the current trench at Westboro Station, at Dominion Station, down the parkway. And you'll start to see that uh, conversion of the existing trench to light rail, and they will put in another tunnel uh, that will go down the parkway to the new Cleary station. So the route's determined all the way to Bayshore, or is that still being discussed? Oh, yeah. this uh, yeah. It's been a long process, and I, I have to say, I think it was a highly consultative process. I'm, I'm pleased with where we've landed in terms of the route. At this point, we're not really talking about where it's going to go anymore. People are really looking forward to us getting shovels in the ground. Get, let's get it built. In particular, in my ward, uh, we've asked the, the, the team to prioritize the station at John Dark. Uh, a lot of 
uh, changes to the way uh, that intersection functions is coming as part of phase two. Right now, we've got a, a slip lane where pedestrians have to yield to cars, uh, particularly um, difficult uh, to navigate right. and not putting the priority on pedestrians, which is something that we need to do moving forward for these for these LRT stations. So I'm looking forward to enhance safety on that bridge uh, in the spring. Thank you from all of us who walk. Yes. We're, we're yes. noticing that. Uh, switching gears a little bit, uh, there's a lot of talk about paratranspo. Uh, Matt, I think let's start with you on this one. Some changes coming. Yeah, so really pleased uh, to hear uh, Alan, uh, Alan Hubley's uh, announcement on Thursday that uh, an online booking system is coming. Uh, I'm the council liaison for the Accessibility Advisory Committee. This is something that we've heard a lot about over the course of the, of the last eight months. Right. Um, so the ability to book online uh, is coming by the end of the year. That is a baby step, however. We still have a lot of work to do uh, when it comes to kind of the safety net for paratranspo, which is our accessible cabs. And I know that uh, Tim probably has quite a bit to say about that. Yeah. And uh, and also at the same time, ensuring that we're making capital investments in paratranspo so that uh, those buses are available uh, to, uh, to people that need them. Uh, Jeff, we've been using this phone system for a long time. Why why has it taken this long? We it is a lot of work on the technology front in order to be able to build a um, an online booking system and eventually an app by the end of uh, 2020. The um, OC Transpo has been uh, wholly focused on getting LRT up and running. There hasn't been a lot of resources available to try to get uh, online booking up and running. I hope when it does, though, that it will make a big difference for those who are able to use online, free up some phone line capacity, and and have a, a much better experience of ordering a pair of Transpo for those customers. Yeah, you know, I've been uh, I'm part of the class of 2010, uh, and I'll tell you, we've gone through this before, uh, where they went out to the uh, public, they uh, consulted with the accessibility community, specifically around para. Uh, there wasn't a real appetite either. That was one thing that came as part of the discussions that we've had. Mm -hmm. Councillor King, when he came on board, he mm -hmm. really raised that issue. We actually went over to uh, to the para station and saw how things operate there. We took a big tour. I, I've seen it before. But uh, I think it, we really pushed on them between uh, between Hubley, uh, Flurry, myself, King. Uh, well, all of us, we want to see something better for our para riders. And uh, let's face it, it's 2019. Uh, we've hit at the point now where now there's enough acceptance. There's a lot of fear. Don't get rid of my phone calls. I like doing the phone calls. Well, if you book this way, it's going to make it more effective. You don't have to sit in the phone forever. So I think we've finally done the sales job on that. And uh, now it's about uh, delivering it. Um, it's, it's a service I think a lot of us are aware of but have never used. So Matt, can you just give us a bit of idea? How, how big is Paratransport? Well, uh, it's pretty massive, and but the, but the problem is right now is that they don't have the buses uh, to support the demand. So uh, I, I guess it was about three weeks ago, I've been hearing a lot about uh, how difficult it was to even get through to book. Uh, so I called, and I sat on the phone for an hour and 20 minutes before I gave up. Right. And you gave up. I gave up. You never did talk to anybody. No, I never got to a point uh, where I got a chance to talk to anybody. It is, uh, it's, it's terrible. And we need to have uh, what Kyle Humphrey and uh, some of uh, our advocates are calling paraparity. Like you should not be limited. Um, you should not be limited to where you can go in our city uh, because of mobility issues. Right. So just a quick follow-up. Uh, I was thinking about this for a second. When we took the tour of the uh, of, of where you see where they do all the programming for para, um, you have a bus. It can seat so many people, and you want to ensure you pick up as many people as possible. The problem that people have right now is the window that they leave where you're, okay, you got to sit around for a couple hours and wait for that bus. 
Imagine when we get to the point in 2020 when you have it like an Uber app and you can actually see when that bus is arriving. So, you know, especially if they have some mobility issues or if you may be in a wheelchair, you need to use the washroom before you get on the bus. You can time it better. You don't have to sit at the front door and just wait, wait, wait. I think this is going to be a big convenience factor for a lot of our uh, passengers. But I think the part of the concern with that is always just not everybody has apps. That is true. And that's why there will be both ways to do it. You'll be able to do it by phone, be able to do it by app, or you can do it through a web interface. Uh, The web interface will be coming in 2019 for the booking component. I think that's critical because a lot of people do not like sitting on the phone. We've heard that loud and clear from all of our constituents. And Jeff and I were chatting uh, before this. uh, The online booking system is going to take a lot of the heat off of the call center, right? So you're going to be able to uh, make those bookings a heck of a lot faster no matter which way you go with it. Right. Finally, on this episode, let's talk about the upcoming budget for a little bit, because that's what everybody really wants to talk about. Yay! Uh, is the budget, Jeff? I guess it's your time to go first. What are you going to be asking for in the budget? I was hoping the LRT opening had distracted everybody from that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's no secret we have a challenging budget ahead of us. The provincial government has downloaded millions in new costs to the city. Uh, we don't have millions of dollars worth of extras in the budget to cut, and, and how we approach that is, is going to be tricky. Last uh, year's budget put 15 million new dollars into affordable housing. I don't think with the cuts that we've seen uh, and the the downloaded responsibilities in the province, we're going to be able to do that again. The budget increase for the the portion that pays for most of what the city provides is under the staff recommendation and what most of council agreed to uh, last week, going to rise by only two percent. Right. That will only cover inflation. And when you take cuts uh, out of services or when you take cuts out of the amount of money that the province is giving us uh, out of that we're not even going to have as much money new money in the budget as inflation it's uh, i'm a bit of an outlier with some colleagues but i think we need to look at getting more than two percent into our budget uh, for the portion that pays for uh, most of the services that the city provides so what will the priorities be for the budget in, in, according to what council is asking for, for or you. For, for myself, you know, I, I think that we are not doing a good enough job building affordable housing. I don't think we're doing a good enough job serving our most vulnerable residents, and that includes things like paratranspo. We're starting to see the system get a little bit creaky with respect to bylaw enforcement, uh, with respect to maintaining our parks. My priorities are going to be the things that make this city livable right. so that people want to live here. We're in a, Dave, we're in a race with every other city around the world to attract mm-hmm. uh, people to our city, to keep our kids wanting to live here. We're going to have to offer a really good quality of life. If we don't, we're not going to grow. And if we don't going to grow, uh, you know, we're just going to lose ground to larger centers like Montreal and Toronto and Vancouver, um, uh, London. It's going to uh, it's going to be difficult for us to compete if we don't make the investments we need to make in a livable, sustainable city. Matt, have you been doing your budget homework? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm looking to to provide incentives to builders to to, to build affordable housing. Uh, I take a, a, a little bit of a different view than Jeff as to how how we get there. So yeah. I've been working with Steve Willis's team on on a new community improvement plan uh, for Orleans. Uh, so basically, what that would do is take the property value uh, of of your property now, 
uh, up against what that property value looks like, that increase, and then kind of stepping up the property taxes over the course of 10 years so that you don't get hit immediately. Right. So you can save up to a million dollars on property taxes uh, if you meet certain conditions within a community improvement plan. So what I'd like to see a law around the LRT stations uh, would be uh, like a podium of business, especially on St. Joseph Boulevard, a podium of business and like 12 to 16 stories of residential and affordable housing uh, and mixed use. Um, if we want people to stay in our neighborhood, if we want to give seniors a place to downsize to, yeah. uh, then we need to take that approach. A lot of people that I talk to, uh, you know, when I'm knocking on doors and chatting with people in my office, say, I want to stay in Orleans. I live in a five-bedroom house uh, by myself. You know, my husband passed away 10 years ago. Right. But I but don't have my ha- house. But yeah, and I, and I don't have any place to I don't have any place to downsize to. So we have to be providing, uh, you know, affordable rentals uh, mixed in uh, with condos and affordable housing around the LRT stations to increase the viability of the LRT, but also to create more vibrancy in our, in our neighborhoods. Right. I'm going to be looking uh, for investments in park, parks and recreation. I live in a bit of a an older, uh, some of my areas are in my ward are a little bit older, so we need to see improvements to parks. Um, you know, we've got some crumbling infrastructure that we need to work on. We need to invest uh, in, uh, in cycling infrastructure uh, to make sure that that interconnectivity with the LRT uh, is maximized for right. sure. Tim, what are your priorities? Well, you know, I, I campaigned pretty heavy on it last year, and I think we've heard loud and clear that uh, infrastructure and roads, roads, and roads uh, mm-hmm. keep coming up time and again, uh, especially potholes and, and the, uh, our surfaces throughout the city. Uh, I am very proud, though, that uh, we've uh, entered into stage one of uh, having our roads online. So you can actually see a lot of what roads uh, are due for upcoming schedule. Uh, That being said, I know by the end of this year, they were supposed to come back and add in when they were last redone and when the next life cycle is. So we can have more of a a citywide approach on how we look at all the different roads within our city. Uh, I've heard it loud and clear. Uh, I have some neighborhoods uh, like in Rothwell, for example, where the roads are literally stone dust at this point. Mm. And uh, it's it's a bit of a concern. Uh, the other one that I certainly heard a lot about was related to um, uh, seniors, right. doing more for seniors, uh, having affordable housing for seniors, and that's something I've been working on in the Jasmine Crescent area. Uh, hopefully, we'll have a good announcement about that soon. But again, it requires money to make all this stuff happen, and that's why the budget's so critical this time around. I think this is going to be uh, – I don't know how you feel, Jeff. You're more of a veteran with me on the, on this front about uh, – this is going to be one of the tougher budgets, I think, to be able to determine what takes priority. Uh, you also look at uh, things in my area like traffic lights. It seems weird, uh, but a light set's about two hundred and fifty, three hundred thousand dollars, and I have a, a intersection that doesn't meet the warrants. It's just slightly off, uh, but it's always uh, it's not, plagued not, with not issues. No, it's actually the way it's our, our traffic measurement is done to be able to achieve warrants doesn't work in an urban environment. And Jeff's shaking his head, agreeing. <laughs> yeah. It drives us bananas. Hey, I have so, no idea it, what words you're using. So, <laughs> warrants oh, for what? Right. So we actually have, we have no power as city councilors. Let's make that perfectly clear. We can't get a stop sign. We can't get a stop light. Everything that has to be done has to be staff supported and it has to have what they call a warrant. It has to achieve a ministry standard of what a test is. And the way the test is designed now doesn't work for urban councilors. In yeah. an outlying area where they have lots of development and they can use development Development money to be able to put those stoplights in, great. But we have to fund internally within the green belt uh, a lot of these traffic measures, and it's a challenge every year when you have to fight with people about getting a, a set of stoplights so it's safe for people across the road. So is the challenge the money, or is the challenge just the approval to put a stop sign there? Well, it's two part actually. It's both the uh, the, the 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 warrant 
uh, is is the formula by which they determine whether or not you actually need the stoplight or the signal. And, and the way that they measure those are often out of whack with how people actually consider the safety of an intersection. You know, are there this many cars and have they observed this many instances where there's the potential for conflict? All residents want is just to slow the traffic down and feel safer in their neighborhoods. And then the money is not there either um, in order to actually build something. A, a signal is, what, $120,000 to yeah, put a, yeah, a traffic a light in? Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, we're talking about a, a budget process in which uh, we're, we're agreed this is going to be a very challenging year. Uh, new tax revenues will only be roughly um, uh, $16 million with a 1% tax increase. Mm. Um, you know, that doesn't leave you a lot of signals to put in uh, a lot of cash to put in signals. So we've got a we've got a real challenge in in the established areas of Ottawa trying to help residents feel safe uh, with the roads that are in their neighborhoods. Uh, Matt, there's one more thing you want to add. Yeah, I mean, I've been asked for an unwanted stop sign in my ward. I think that what you see a lot of the times is that councillors, because we're all pinned down by these same warrants, yeah. uh, tend to back each other up when they come to transportation committee and come to council and ask for these things. Yeah. I think that, you know, over the course of the last year, we've had a bit of a contentious council uh, but we tend to support each other when it matters most to our communities. And I think that that's something that I'm looking forward to over the course of the next year. Here, here. Well, there's a lovely place to end. The first at Council in 20. Thank you to Tim Tierney, Matt Luloff, Jeff Leiper for joining me this morning. Thank you to podcastle.ca, Blast the Radio. I'm your host, David Schellenberg. Tune in next Monday for Council in 20.